Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to Framework Leadership, a podcast about principles and ideas you can use today to take your leadership to the next level. And uh, we are now exclusively a part of the SEU Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kent Engel, president of Southeastern University. And I'm your co-host, Michael Steiner, SEU Chief of Staff. And wow, it's it's great to have a good, good friend join us on the podcast today. Mark Batterson. Mark is the lead pastor of National Community Church in Washington, D.C. Great author, writer, uh, uh, also a trustee member member at mm-hmm. Southeastern University. Uh, so grateful for you, Mark. Thanks for uh, being at conference. We're celebrating Comp 10 this year, 10 years of conference, and and you graciously uh, have come. And you were actually at our first one, I, I believe, yeah. when we started uh, and uh, and back on, on uh, season 10 of it. So thanks for joining us today. Isn't that hey. crazy? It's been yeah. 10 years? Time flies. Nuts. Yep. Oh, it goes by. We were looking at, they were rolling some video of it last night, yeah. right? And they showed everybody, you know, here's from year one, year two. And we were looking at it and I go, wow, man, we were young back Yeah. Yeah. No, so nothing different. keeps you humble, like old pictures. <laughs> right, right. Like a recap, like a 10-year uh, recap keeps yeah. you super humble. No, it's, <laughs> it. it's amazing to see. But Mark, to start off uh, our conversation, um, you know, you, you planted NCC, uh, and from the beginning, its ministry focus was, you know, right there on Capitol Hill. What prompted you to... Um, um, plant a church in that context? I, I think, honestly, it was a failed church plant mm. a couple of years before in the Chicago area. Mm. And we, we had a 25-year plan that I was in grad school, got an A, so yeah. it's got to work, right? Sure, right. absolutely. Yeah. It did not. Wow. Uh, and, and that failed uh, church plant really is what caused us to say, hey, where do we go? What do we do now? And it kind of opened us up. And so long story short, we made a move, packed everything into a 15-foot U-Haul, moved from Chicago to D.C., just sensing that God was calling us there. Mm -hmm. And we had no guaranteed salary, no place to live. It was a faith move. But you know, faith is taking the first step before God reveals the second step. And so we look back on it, and it was certainly one of those defining moments. So, uh, you know, I think success is well-managed failure. And that so first attempt we learned from, and God gave us a second chance in D.C., and we've been at it now for uh, 25, 26 years. And what prompted you guys to keep pushing past that first failure? Like how, like what, I mean, what are those things that made you get up again and and try it again? Yeah, I think, well, I think the cure for the fear of failure isn't success. It's failure in small enough doses that you build up an immunity to it. That's good. And so I I really am a big believer. You you do have to get a couple of failures under your belt early in life. It keeps you humble Mm -hmm. and then you appreciate uh, if there is uh, a measure of success, which in my book, success is stewardship. Stewardship is success. then you you aren't tempted to take credit for it. And so, uh, yeah, I think we just got back up, dusted ourselves off, and it took probably a little bit more courage the second time because Mm. if you fail once, it could be an anomaly. If you fail twice, it might be saying something about you. So we had to dig deep, and and it took some courage, but started with a core group of 19 people and – Nothing glamorous, nothing easy about Mm -hmm. it, but, uh, you know, a step back and just look at what the Lord has done here over a quarter century in, in the nation's capital. Yeah. And, and, and DC is a, a a unique place. Um, 
I think it was, I, I heard Dick Foth, who's, a, I know, a mentor of yours and, and, and a friend, but he mentioned, because he worked, he, you know, was in D.C. for quite a, quite a while, but he mentioned three types of communities in, in the, you know, you have your local government, uh, you have the national government, and then you have an international, you know, presence. So you've got a really unique, uh, con- what were some of the unique challenges about doing ministry on Capitol Hill? Well, I, I think part of it was you're in a, in a place that eats and breathes politics. Mm -hmm. And so we felt like we wanted to reach across the aisle. And so uh, this this wonderful verse, neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. We we add Republicans and Democrats to Mm -hmm. that mix. And uh, it's, it's... not easier now than it was when when we started out, but um, what what we've learned to do is is that the gospel is good news for everybody, yeah. and we feel like sure. Um, what happens on Capitol Hill, really significant. The White House, the Supreme Court, th- these these branches of government mm. have a ripple effect that affects every American in in lots of ways. But I think there is a spiritual stream mm. under the surface. And we've always felt that by serving those who are in public service, by mm. influencing influencers, mm-hmm. our goal is to kind of help shape uh, those leaders so that the gospel is brought to bear in however they might vote, whatever they might do. And, you know, there are easier places to be. Sure. Mm -hmm. But we enjoy kind of being in in the tension. Um, But then you also, part of leadership is really discerning the environment that you're in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, having some contextual intelligence. Yep. Well, and emotional intelligence. Right. Right. And really being able to kind of interact with the uh, the milieu where where you are. Mm-hmm. Well, and what's crazy about that community is it's so transient, and I think a lot of people don't maybe realize how transient it really is. How fast people are moving in and out of there. I know. Shout out to the Tea Party that wants the term limits for more and more people, so they would have it more transient. But really, to create something that's such a pillar in that community, right? Like what NCC is, is it's a measure of stability for people whose lives are not stable. Mm-hmm. How have you guys molded that? What are some of the principles you've done to really create that center of stability in that community? Yeah. I mean, historically, we've had about 33% turnover per year. Wow. So we feel like if we get a student for four years who might be at a Georgetown or a sure, GW yeah. or uh, e- even a military tour, right. if we're getting someone for three, that's actually not a bad tenure. Right. right. Exactly. Um, we, we operate with a sense of, I hope it's holy urgency. Mm. You know, there's anxious urgency where you're reacting to everything and, and it doesn't mm. come from a healthy place. But, you know, Jesus said, don't say four more months and then the harvest. Like, we need to have a measure of um, holy discontent and kind of this holy urgency to be about the Father's business. So, we we don't waste any time. A guest walks in the door. Hey, uh, where do you want to serve next week? You know, it's... it's, it's, Wow. We we try to really engage people quickly and, Mm -hmm. and begin that discipleship process. 
Yeah. And I love, I mean, I love Ebenezer's and how that is actually a, a major tool to connect with that community and environment. Uh, so, yeah, just say, and how many campuses do you have now in D.C. in that area? Well, we, we had seven campuses before a little pandemic. Sure. Before, yeah. Rona, and, uh, before Rona showed you know, up. It's yeah. funny. We're, we're finding our way forward into kind of a new future. And so there's a few campuses that we've combined. Sure. And then we're in a unique place that we were largely a mobile church meeting in six movie theaters uh, there mm-hmm. for a season. But as you know, we now have a city block. Right, it's a right. miracle oh, yeah. story. Yeah. Um we we may be next to the federal government. We may be the largest landholder on Capitol Hill. Wow. Would have never imagined. But God has entrusted us with a couple of properties. So uh, Ebenezer's Coffee House, but we've got the D.C. Dream Center yep. that is yep. making a huge difference. Uh, we've got a movie theater on Capitol Hill, and then mm-hmm. the city block that really is a mixed use development. And and I and I want to can I backdrop this yep. be, because. I'm guessing some people are listening like, what what, what does that have to do with church? Well, I mean, Jesus didn't just hang out in the synagogue, right. you know, in religious places with religious people. He hung out in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. He hung out at Absolutely. wells, these natural yep. gathering places in ancient culture. And so what we're trying to do is create a marketplace where church and community can cross paths. I, I love this moment where Paul walks into the Areopagus in Athens. Yeah. And he competes for the truth. And that's what we're doing at Southeastern, right? We're raising up leaders in every sphere of influence. And so the way that we say it at NCC is, let's not just curse the darkness. Let's light a candle. Let's write better books, draft better legislation, Mm -hmm. uh, produce better films, make better music. How? With the help of the Holy Spirit. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it's this idea that... A church that stays within its four walls isn't a church at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so it's exciting to see how God is moving and working. Um, you know, so we we have four campuses, but it, we actually say we have thousands of campuses because we sure. are wherever oh, right. you go. Right. It's whoever, right. exactly. whoever attends our church. Exactly. And, that, and they're working at the White mm-hmm. House, at yeah. the, uh, you know, on the Hill. And uh, it's, it's pretty, pretty fun. And what's so incredible is like, you know, organizations, whether it's a church, business, whatever, that last the longest are the ones that are best positioned to take advantage of when these opportunities come, right? Like, it's so often it's like, how, were you ready when the thing happened? When the pandemic happened, were you ready? Even if you couldn't predict a pandemic, you can't predict these changes. You position yourself to be ready for those things. At the pace that you guys run at NCC, how did you position yourself to be ready to take over a city block in the middle of a pandemic? Yeah. Well, there's a guy named R.T. Kendall who wrote a book called The Anointing, and Mm. and I'm just going to throw this out there because it's one of my favorite. I think every leader ought to have four, five, six quotes that you quote all the time. Um, R.T. Kendall said, sometimes the greatest opposition to what God wants to do next comes from those who are on the cutting edge of what God did last. Wow. That's sobering. Wow. Like, I, I want to make it's sure huge. that we don't get too too settled into our ways. And so, um, m- most overused word of 2020 was pivot, right? right. right. Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, please, I don't want to hear that again. <laughs> yeah. But we really did. So, our dream center turned into... Uh, I mean, I think we, we served 64,000 meals. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we went to uh, NCC daily. Um, we launched something called, you'll love this, the Upper Zoom. 
which is a little play out there, the upper room. And so, you know, the funny thing is if you had said, hey, you're going to have a couple hundred people weekday mornings at 7, 14 (laughs) a.m. praying together, I would have said that revival broke out. Right. No, a pandemic broke Broke out. out. We had to to innovate. Uh And I think that is part of incarnation, Mm -hmm. that that you innovate and adapt and figure out, you know, what what can we do that leverages uh, technology, leverages what's happening in culture. And uh, that's a a never-ending challenge. And it's why it's so important, I think, to be a Mm spirit-filled, spirit-led leader that you're always kind of on your your tiptoes, like, what's next? Right. Well, you think about the parable of of the virgins, right, with the oils in the lap. Half of them had it, half of them didn't. We always associate that with end times eschatology, but it's not, it's really anytime God moves, right? Do you have oil in your lap whenever God is moving and whenever God's moving around you? And so that's where those churches that invest in listening to the Spirit, but also invest in being innovative, being thinking, they're they're ready. They've got that oil so that whenever the move comes, they can can keep pushing forward there. I I shouldn't even do this, but this could probably be edited. Give me oil in my lamp. <laughs> right? That's yeah. great. I, you know, isn't yeah. it funny? Like, yeah, exactly. it's so funny. Sometimes you. We're you not just editing that, uh, just so you know. That's going in the final mix right there. Yes. Uh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's great. Yeah, we, uh, where were we? Were, and someone was saying, talking about being a light. And, and I said, why don't we just all sing this little light of mine? Let yes. it shine. You know? yes. I believe that so, was uh, commencement. Oh, that's that, right. That was commencement. And you actually led them in in singing it. They did. That's so fun. In all seriousness, though, some of those old old songs do do touch a really deep place in your soul. And I'm more and more convinced that, you know, especially when you read the Old Testament narrative, anytime anything happens, God is like, build an altar. Mm -hmm. And then notice how many times they go back to those old altars that they built. And sometimes those old songs are like old altars that uh, remind us... um, you know, a la Revelation 2, that, you know, you're forsaking your first love. Right. Go back yeah. and do what you did at first. Exactly. Um, so That's so good. Uh, switching a little bit, uh, I want to talk about your latest book, man. Uh, powerful book. You're, you're focusing on win the day, and, and you're focusing on disciplines. Uh, talk a little bit about what was inside you that, man, I, I've got to get this out and talk about it. Yeah, it, it was a fun book to write. It really, it really is a book about habit formation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and in my book, uh, I guess pun intended, yeah. <laughs> uh, habit formation is spiritual formation. Yeah, and yeah. spiritual formation is habit formation. The the way we say it is uh, the the only ceiling uh, on your intimacy with God and impact on the world is daily spiritual disciplines. Right. But but in a in a grand scale. Um, you look at the Sermon on the Mount, and six times Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, but I tell you. Right. So it's almost like he's uninstalling some Old Testament kind of mindsets and reinstalling uh, some New Testament practices. Mm-hmm. You know, theologians would call these the antitheses, but really what mm-hmm. they are are six counter habits. Yeah. Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, bless those who curse you. Turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, give the shirt off of your back. Um, nothing natural about those things. They are counter 
habits. And so I think sometimes like you don't want to under-spiritualize or over-spiritualize what's happening in Scripture. Um, I just really believe that at the end of the day, even if God does a miracle in your life, mm -hmm. e even if there's deliverance, and we believe in that, we mm -hmm. believe in miracles, you still have to back it up with disciplines. Right. And, and so, I, I, I like to say it this way, show me your habits, I'll show you your future. Destiny yeah. is not a mystery, destiny is daily habits. Yeah, so many great pieces in this book. I love the way you walk through it and really couch it in that it's all about how well you do with your day. Like if you can just take care of the, so many, you get caught up in your, like you said earlier, the 25 year plan, all this different stuff. But if you can just win that day, it's, it's, uh, it sets you up for everything. What was your, if you go back to the thing through the book, what's been your, what was your favorite chapter to write on that? Oh man. I, I mean, it's, well, there's seven habits. Mm. I, I think the first one flipped the script. If you want to change your life, you have to change your story. You know, John Quincy Adams said, uh, whoever tells the best story wins. Yeah. And by, by the way, no one told better stories than Jesus. <laughs> yes, right? True. Exactly. So uh, I think our internal monologue, our own self-talk, mm -hmm. that habit formation, we tend to think of external disciplines. Like like maybe, you know, as, a, as an athlete, you know, I, I would – practice my free throws or um, as a musician, you're playing scales. We mm -hmm. tend to think of habit formation as these external things that we do, but it really begins with a mindset. Yeah. And and that sometimes is the hardest habit to make or break. Yep. And so right there, habit number one, come on, let's flip the script. And, and mm -hmm. if you're saying, well, how? Well, the short answer is uh, scripture is our script cure. And it's a little play on words, but it's true. Yeah. Like you have to allow scripture to rewrite some of those negative mm -hmm. narratives. And and so that kind of is where the, the book starts. And then we walk through some of those other habits. Mm -hmm. Well, that speaks to the power of, I mean, this is going to sound so crazy, especially for all of us, but like scripture memorization, right? Like taking time to actually like commit scripture to memory. It's kind of a little bit of a lost art with the fact that I can pop it up on my phone anytime you want to. But yep. that's how you get those internal monologues, right? To start thinking those different ways when you get it dialed in on that level, when you can lock it in. Yeah. Th thy word have I hid in my heart yeah, yeah. that I might not sin against you. Yeah. And uh, for, for what it's worth... Speaking of habit formation, uh, check out Deuteronomy 17. You know, you're listening to this and you want to dive a little bit deeper. Um, I call it the king habit mm. because three requirements for the kings of Israel. One, make a copy of the law in your own handwriting. Yeah. That's fascinating. Right. right. Like literally yeah. write it out. Yep. Two, keep it on your person at all times, yeah. which is now a lot easier with version and right. other tools in our phones. And three, read in it daily. And so this is what a king was required to do. Yeah. And uh, I think it says it will keep your heart from becoming proud. Yeah. So it's yeah. preventative medicine um, and a great example of habit formation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 
Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to delve into this book in, in, a, in a pretty specific way. Knowing you, I mean, you know, this isn't theory for you. This is something that you truly live and apply to your life every single day. Uh, as the author of, what, uh, tw- 20 books now, uh, maybe more, you've had, you've had to master, you know, habit formation or ha- uh, master self-discipline to keep up with, I mean, the pace of being a, a, a pastor and being a writer and an author. If you could give um, any advice to, to our listeners out there who may feel a similar calling, how would you tell them to approach the day in just pure practice? Yeah. I think how you start the day and when you start the day is critical. But I'm going to back up one step because I find it fascinating that in Genesis, the day doesn't start with sunrise. Mm. There was evening and there was morning Morning. the first day. And so in a Jewish mindset, Mm. it's sundown to sundown. And so I I would say... um, Sleep is actually a stewardship issue. There it is. And so you you start the day. I I have one of these rings with infrared uh, sensors that tell me the aura rings. So it tells me it tells me um, deep sleep, uh, heart rate variability, all of these factors that give me a readiness score, and and it helps me steward that a little bit better. but then I would also say that in habit formation, mm-hmm. there's this idea of a commitment device. We don't need to deep dive it. Um, but the alarm clock is one of the most genius commitment devices. Yes. So I would push in and say, you know, I realize there are morning people, there are you know mm-hmm. night owls. But when do you get up and why? Yep. Because. Let's be honest, the vast majority of people get up just in time to get a shower, grab breakfast, get out the door, and get to work just in the nick of time. I don't think you're going to write a book. I don't think you're going to run a marathon. I don't think you're going to accomplish some of the goals that you want to uh, without really getting good at that alarm clock Mm -hmm. and leveraging it. So when when people ask me, how do you write a book? My my first answer has nothing to do with writing. You have to set your alarm clock a little bit earlier in the morning. And then you have to discipline yourself. You, You failing to plan is planning to fail. And so you, you have to uh, reverse engineer it yeah. and, and then figure out, okay, one day at a time, how do I move in the direction of that goal, whatever it is? Yeah. Walk us through a little bit of how it's been to like teach these disciplines to your own congregation, like getting them bought in, or integrating it with your staff, with your teams and all those kind of things. Yeah. I, I love it. Um, we'll, we'll leverage the Lenten season yep. uh, from Ash Wednesday sure. until Easter. Yep. Um, that wasn't a big part of my tradition growing up, but I, I've learned that it can be a wonderful kind of on-ramp going into Easter. So mm-hmm. what we'll do is we'll actually, th- there was something called the John Wesley fast. Did you know he wouldn't even ordain a Methodist minister if they wouldn't fast from sundown to sundown once a week? Wow. wow. Like that's old school. Right. Huh. Um, so we're going to corporately practice yep. this John Wesley fast and just try it. And listen, it, it's, it's not, I don't, I'm not anticipating that everybody, uh, in our congregation is going to do this, but I mean, I'm thinking to myself that the last time I checked, 
If we're believing for revival, all it takes is 120 people in an upper room who are willing to pray for 10 days. Yeah. So let's not get too worried about metrics or numbers. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm at a place where God works through a remnant. Yeah. And and so um, we'll practice this discipline of fasting in part because it's so hard to do, especially by yourself. Yeah. And I think we quickly forget that habit formation is a team sport. Yeah. Like if you're trying to do this by yourself, it's going to be much. It's it's like uh, a steeper incline, uh, you know, uh, on that treadmill. If you're trying to do it all by yourself, so I think you've got to get some people around you moving in the mm-hmm. same direction, and and uh, it'll help you go further faster. Yeah, no, that's so good. How important is the element of self awareness in this process? Ah, it's huge because. Um, here's a simple example. Uh, until I, there, there was a season in my life where I felt like I needed to drop 25 pounds. I, I was plantar fasciitis. I had asthma at the time, which mm. the Lord has since healed me, which is another story wow. for another day. But I was experiencing some physical complications of not being, not taking care of the temple like I should have. Here, here's what I learned. If you don't count calories, good luck. Right. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. Right. You, you have to what, – what mapping miles if you're training for a marathon or mapping calories if you're dieting or there are these things called budgets and calendars, yes. which yeah. are all about managing time <laughs> exactly. and money. Yeah. If you don't do this – Guess what? The time disappears. Right. The money goes away, and you have no idea where it went. So I think self-awareness in a habit context, it's just – it's knowing what you're doing, why you're doing it, and keeping track of it. Um, Can I zoom out and just share one little principle that – Absolutely. So I I will not – Forget this. I was doing a, a pregame talk for – I have a friend, Buzz Williams. Uh, he was coaching at Virginia Tech basketball at the time, uh, now down at Texas A&M. I met him when he was at Marquette, you know, a, a primetime coach, big-time college coach. Um, and, and I go in and, I, and I'm talking to the team, and I'll, I'll never forget this. He, he said – I think this is the right number. He said, this is day 1,181 of me coaching – at Virginia Tech. And, and I remember thinking mm. to myself, who knows how many days, days. they've been on the job? Wow. Right. I'll, I'll tell you who. Someone who's making every day count. Yeah. Right. That's who counts the days. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about self-awareness, I think about just making sure that, that we make every day count, every workout count, every paycheck count, yeah. every because I think it's a stewardship thing at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so it. good. Well, this is a great conversation, and I love talking about habits. I mean, that's that's something that's always been important uh, to us and to our teams mm-hmm. here, and, and being able to accomplish really what God wants. It it does involve being disciplined and uh, how you guide, discern, learn, you know, listen, audit, you know, all of those things that are important to really achieve what uh, what's next. Um, but we got to. I, I want to respect your time, and and I know you're you're busy, so we're going to move into our 
our fire round. And we always ask a few f- quick questions surrounding kind of everything we've discussed, you know, just to give us um, some practical, applicable pieces of advice that we can just take in, in the moment uh, and uh, and win the day. All right. Uh, so uh, I think we'll we'll just ask, what, about three questions? Yep. So, Michael, mm-hmm. you can start. All right. Fire so, away. So uh, right off the bat, out of with all the research that you've done, if there was one habit that people should prioritize getting into their lives, what would it be? Let's maybe let's put aside scripture reading for a second. I love scripture reading. Oh, you're me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, 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 I took it right out of you. Yes, I took you it right did. Out. Scripture reading number one, top list of things. Yes. After scripture reading, what's the next habit we should implement? Yeah, I, I mean. You're talking to a guy that just believes in the power of prayer. Okay. And so I think prayer is the difference between the best you can do and the best God can do. Love it. I think prayer is the difference between you fighting for God and God fighting for you. It's the difference between letting things happen and making things happen. So um, without making this a long lecture on prayer, because there's centering prayer, there's contending prayer, there's soaking prayer. There are lots of different Different. forms of prayer. Mm -hmm. But I, I think this idea of having a, a conversation with God, yeah. a, a relationship that is conversational is so critical. And uh, and the last time I checked, God won't answer 100% of the prayers that you don't pray. And I know we could have yes, a long theological right. conversation about that, yeah. but Jesus did say, you have not because you ask not. Yep. So I, I would say, uh, in fact, it was Albert Einstein who once told a doctoral student, find out about prayer. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. Love it. What's the number one? We have a lot of students that, that listen into the podcast. What's the number one productivity hack, if you will, that every student should learn to implement in their lives? Okay. I'm just going to – first thing that comes to mind, I don't have a great memory for the things I've read, but I have a really good memory for what book I read it in. And I have a simple um, – when I read a book, one, I never read it without a pen – because yep. what's the point? Right, yeah, right. And I have five levels. And so level one is underlining. Level two is an asterisk in the margin. Level three is circling. Mm. Level four is a top dog ear. Yep. And level five is a bottom dog ear. Ah. And so you know I've read thousands of books. I love to read. But without that system... Yeah. I would be at a loss yeah, right. be- because I so often have to go back to books that I've read to kind of recapture the story right. or the principle. And so what I can do is with those lower dog ears, I can go back and reread a book in, in five minutes or upper mm-hmm. dog ears yeah. in 10 minutes. You know what I mean? So yeah. I-, I think you've got to learn little hacks that work for you yeah. and that kind of keep you motivated mm-hmm. and uh, help you maximize your God-given potential. Love it. Love it. Last question as we wrap up this uh, this great conversation. Where do you most often get an inspiration for a new book? Oh, I mean, I, I mean honestly, from other books. Right. You know, I, mm-hmm. I just, I'll read a, a book, and here's another fun fact. If it's a good book, I guarantee I will rabbit trail it. And yep. what I mean by that is this. I'll actually go to the end notes. Yep. I'll go back to their original sources. And if those original sources have original sources, yep. I, I think there's just... This is a good place for us to land land the plane. Here's one of my favorite quotes. Uh, Albert Einstein said, never lose a holy curiosity. Yeah. And so I, I think what I would say is you just, if you have a holy curiosity, 
there's just everything is a is a book. Yeah. Everything yeah. is is kind of a lesson, mm-hmm. and you just absorb it from all of life. And I, you know, I think everyology is a branch of theology. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I love cross pollinating mm-hmm. history, science, whatever, because I, I think that's how you stoke the curiosity, and uh, you keep learning, yeah. and you never stop. Yeah, love it. So good. Man, thank you so much for stopping by and having this conversation. Grateful for this conversation. In fact, I just I just want you to know that every opportunity I get to spend some time with you, I always learn, always grow, take something that makes my life better. And you have this um, incredible gift to discern the moment so that you can speak the right encouragement or challenge or and and uh man i'm just so grateful god uses you to do that in all of our lives and thankful for that so thank you so much for who you are and what you do to uh make a difference in the kingdom of god Hey, thanks so much. Love it. And one of the great privileges of my life is uh, being a part of the team here at Southeastern and and uh, just so grateful that we get to do life and leadership together. together. Yep. Yeah. Every yep. single time. So Love good. it. Love it. If you want to grab Win the Day, it's available everywhere. Everywhere you get your books, it's there. You can find it. Uh, did you do the audiobook? I did. You did it yourself? Yep. Love it. So if you want to hear the whole book read by Mark himself, and I would highly recommend it. Check it out there. Grab the audiobook on that side. If you want to keep up with Mark, you can follow him on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Mark Batterson. Uh, if you want to keep up with us on the show, you can j- check out on Instagram, Kent Ingle, Kent underscore Ingle. Check out uh, Dr. Michael Steiner or on Twitter at Kent Ingle. You can also visit our website, KentIngle.com. Sign up for our newsletter. And hey, if you're watching this on YouTube right now, now is a great time to hit that like button, that subscribe button, so you can get more leadership directly into your feed every single week. See you guys later. Take care, everybody.